Well, hello, 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 and welcome to the Archaeology News. Where have you been, Nora? You're probably wondering, where have I been? Anyway, it just allows you to have a quite excessive amount of news stories to sit back and listen to. So, as we're both going to be quite exhausted at the end of this, well, I might actually be slightly more exhausted than you, let's get on with the news. You got yourself your cup of tea, cup of coffee, nice biscuit? Brilliant. Let's begin. Because, of course, all these stories have been collected from various sources and to view the details in each story, including that all-important source, you're going to have to see the Stone Pages website at news.stonepages.com. And what have we got for you? We've got excavations at vents at the Hurler's Stone Circle. We've got the world's oldest temple. Well, Gobekli Tepe, is it a temple? Is it a house? Well, let's find out. But one person believes it was built to worship Sirius. We've got a set of uh, gaming pieces from a 5,000-year-old set uh, found in Turkey and 10,000 years of human presence on Cuba. Let's find out about that as well. We head off to an interesting project in India where they're going to attempt to actually catalogue and list and then protect megalithic sites. An Irish bog body might be the world's oldest, and up here in Scotland we have a Neolithic engraved stone discovered at the site up in Orkney. There's an ancient campsite discovered on the Minnesota River, and an ice core data set supports an ancient space impact. Sounds exciting. You just have to wait to find out more. There's also a drowned world off the northwest coast of Australia. That's right, Australia, I said, not Atlantis. And heading back to Scotland, we've got Neolithic Halls of the Dead. This is turning out to be rather exciting all over. There's evidence of human presence at the Thames in England from 7000 BCE, and a carved stone ball has been found at the nest of Brodgerdig. We've got the tomb of an ancient noblewoman discovered in Russia, and then we finish off with the ancient secrets of the Lesser Cyclades in the Mediterranean. So, where are we heading off to? Well, we're heading off to the Hurler's Stone Circle. Where is that, I hear you ask? It's on Bodmin Moor in Cornwall, England. And for the first time in nearly 80 years, archaeologists have had a chance to carry out archaeological work there. As well as the actual dig, there will be plenty of events taking place that the public can get involved in. Events are going to be starting on September the 16th with an astronomy workshop and field trips, while excavation itself starts on September the 18th. There's going to be a geophysical survey carried out and the works and events will end on September the 23rd. If you want to get involved with the actual excavation, and remember no previous experience will be required, and you're in the Cornwall area, you're going to have to get in touch with the dig director. That's James Gossip. And you can get hold of him at jgossip, that's J-G-O-S-S-I-P, jgossip, at cornwall.gov.uk. Now, uh, staying with sort of astroastronomy, or archaeoastronomy, I should say, the world's oldest temple, or is it a house, or is it a temple house, or, well, that's the problem with this period, and I'll just uh, deviate for a second. We actually don't have the words to describe what's happening at this really incredible transition between the hunter-gatherer, from the the previous Stone Age, uh, the Paleolithic, or the Mesolithic, into this transitional world of the Neolithic, or the, the time of agriculture. We have houses, we have villages, we have temples, but are these the right words to use? Well, 
according to one person who might actually be on the right track as they feel that Gobekli Tepe, that amazing site in southern Turkey, was built to worship the bright star of the sky, Sirius. The 11,500-year-old site consists of a series of at least 20 circular enclosures, although only a few have been uncovered since excavations began in the mid-90s. Each one is surrounded by a ring of huge T-shaped stone pillars, some of which are decorated with carvings of animals. Two more megaliths stand parallel to each other at the centre of each ring. Gobekli Tepe put a dent in the idea of the Neolithic Revolution, which said that the invention of agriculture spurred humans to build settlement and then develop civilization, art and religion. There's no evidence of agriculture near the temple, hinting that in fact it was religion that came first in this instance. But it's still anyone's guess what type of religion the temple served, if it is indeed a temple. Guilo Magli, an archaeoastronomer from the Polytechnic University of Milan in Italy, looked at the night sky for an answer. Over a millennia, the positions of the stars change due to the Earth wobbling as it spins on its axis procession. Stars that are near the horizon will rise and set at different points and they can even disappear completely, only to reappear thousands of years later. So Magli simulated what the sky would have looked like when Gobekli Tepe was built. At that latitude, Sirius would have been below the horizon until 9300 BCE, when it would suddenly have popped into view. Magli proposes the temple was built to follow the birth of this star. As he says, you can imagine the appearance of a new object in the sky could have even triggered a new religion. Using existing maps of Gobekli Tepe and satellite images of the region, Magli drew an imaginary line running between and parallel to the two megaliths inside each enclosure. Three of the excavated rings seemed to be aligned with the points on the horizon, where Sirius would have risen in 9100 BCE, 8750 BCE and 8300 BCE. The results are, of course, preliminary and Magli is uh, very aware of this. More accurate calculations will be needed, and as well as a full survey. Also, the sequence in which the structures were built is as yet unclear, so it's hard to say if the rings were built to follow Sirius as it rose at different points along the horizon. Ongoing excavations might rule out, in fact, any astronomical significance. So says Jens Notroff at the German Archaeological Institute. As he says, uh, we're still discussing whether the monument enclosures at Gobekli Tepe were open or roofed. In the latter case, any activity regarding monitoring the sky would, of course, be rather difficult. And we have to remember, of course, at the moment we've got 20 structures and only three of them seem to be uh, aligned with Sirius. But something to uh, bear in mind. Now, staying in Turkey, some small carved stones unearthed at a 5,000-year-old burial could represent the earliest gaming tokens ever found. This is according to Turkish archaeologists who are excavating an early Bronze Age gravesite. Found in one of the burials at Bashurhuyuk Mount near Sirt in southeast Turkey, the elaborate pieces consist of 49 small stones sculpted into different shapes, painted in green, red, blues, blacks and whites. Some of them depict pigs, some dogs, and there's even three-sided pyramids. Other feature round and bullet-shaped uh, objects. They've also found dice as well as three circular tokens made of white shell topped with black round stones. This is all according to the excavator from Ege University in Izmir. 
According to the archaeologist, similar pieces were found previously at Tel Brak and Jemdat Nasser, two settlement bound, uh, mounds in northeastern Syria and Iraq, respectively. But they've been found as isolated single objects, so initially they were believed to be counting stones. These pieces were found altogether in the same cluster, which is a unique find, like finding a complete set of chess. At the moment, they're puzzling over the strategy, and sadly we might never know. But the find confirms that board games likely originated and spread from the Fertile Crescent regions and Egypt more than 5,000 years ago. The tokens were accompanied by badly preserved wooden pieces or sticks, which may provide further hints on the rules and logic behind the game. According to the distribution, shape and number of the stone pieces, it appears that the game is based on the number four. There's been an archaeological census performed by the Anthropology Institute within the Cuban Science, Technology and Environment Ministry, which has found that human presence on the island dates back to perhaps eight to 10,000 years ago. The research used GIS mapping systems with the aim of providing an overarching idea about the Aboriginal archaeological situation of the country. And it also includes a series of elements to allow the production of a more finished product. So they say, the Aboriginal Archaeological Atlas of Cuba. In compiling Cuba's history of human settlement, the indigenous people are catalogued as pre-agro-pottery, that's before the 3rd century BCE, proto-agriculture, 2nd century BCE, and agro-pottery, the 5th century CE. This encompasses the diverse socio-cultural connections. So far, more than 3,200 Aboriginal archaeological sites have been located on the island. Some of the sites were settlement, with food remains and hearths, along with other evidence of tools, all of which showed that these sites were inhabited by ancient communities for quite some time. Others functioned as temporary camps, with evidence of prolonged habitation made by mobile communities. There's also signs of the use of caves for ceremonies such as burials and cave painting. There's shell workshops to make vessels and other objects as well as evidence of chipped flint and other tool sites. The Indian State Archaeology Department will soon launch a mega-project, get it, to identify and explore megalithic monuments across the country. The initiative is a run-up to a mission to identify and protect megalithic sites and artefacts of historical importance that go unnoticed and unprotected on private land. Experts and researchers will conduct a statewide exploration to identify the sites. The initiative comes in the backdrop of the limitations the department faces to protect monuments in areas under private ownership. Numerous megalithic monuments like rock-cut caves, dolmens, jane pillars and umbrella rocks are unidentified and unprotected in different parts of the state. A survey of archaeological remains in two local government areas has already been completed. Many interesting finds have emerged from the study and similar surveys will be conducted in all the districts. Each district will then have a book on the sites of the archaeological importance, very much like what we call a Sites and Monuments Record or an SMR. They've also submitted a proposal to buy and protect megalithic sites that fall under private ownership. Now, the mummified remains of a body found in a Laos bog two years ago have been found to date back to 2000 BCE, making it the oldest bog body discovered anywhere in the world. Eamon Kelly, keeper of Irish antiquities at the National Museum of Ireland, said previously the earliest bog body discovered in Ireland dated to around about 1300 BCE, but Cashel Man substantially predates this period, making one of the most significant finds in recent times. 
The remains are those of a young adult male, which were placed in a crouched position and then covered by peat, probably on the surface of the bog. The man's arm was broken by a blow and there was deep cuts to his back, which appeared to have been inflicted by a blade. Unfortunately, the head, neck and chest were damaged when the body was discovered, making it impossible to determine the exact cause of death. Kelly believes the wounds on the body, combined with the fact that it was marked by wooden stakes and placed in proximity to an inauguration site, point to the individual being the victim of a ritual sacrifice. It seems to have been the same type of ritual that we later observe in Iron Age finds. What's surprising here is this is so much earlier. They believe that the victims of these ritual killings are kings that have failed in their kingship and have been sacrificed as a consequence. That would help you um, try and do the right thing, wouldn't it? Anyway, newly discovered engravings at Ness of Brodgar on the Scottish islands of the Orkneys are finer and more complex than previous examples of Neolithic art. Described by the site director Nick Card as inspiring and one of the finest pieces of art from this period, the engraved stone was found in structure 10 and consists of two sides carved with intricate etched designs. Examination has revealed a finely incised chevron design and small cut marks, as well as a main design of interconnecting triangles. Decoration on stones from Orkney from the Neolithic period is almost entirely angular and shares a commonality with the decoration found on the groovedware ceramics. This new find highlights the life of ritual and decoration that occupied the people of Orkney five millennia ago. Nick Card reveals that until now, Scarab Bray had the most recorded Neolithic art in the UK with 70 panels. But now, at the Nessa Brodger site, they have discovered 450 a new piece of decorative art comes up every day. Only a small part of this 2.5 hectare site has so far been excavated and lying between the sites of the Ring of Brodgar and the stones of Stenes, who knows what else will appear. Now to America, where a rare archaic period campsite has been discovered along the Minnesota River. Artifacts were found three to four metres below the ground in an area mostly covered by peat and swamp. Frank Florin, principal archaeologist at the site, says it's a very well-preserved record left intact of where it was deposited. It's exciting to know that what you're looking at was in fact 8,000 years ago deposited right there. Florin said that some of the stones used as tools appear to have come from as far as North Dakota and western Wisconsin, suggesting that the people travelled some distance or interacted and traded with other groups. Campsites in the River Valley were occupied in a drier period of history, said Minnesota State archaeologist Scott Anifson. Over the centuries, the climate became wetter, river bluffs eroded, and the campsites were covered with silt and soil and filled in as the wetlands encroached. Craig Johnson, archaeologist for the Minnesota Department of Transportation, said they have about half a dozen of these archaeological sites from this period known in the Minnesota River Valley. So this is a significant discovery. The native people buried their dead high on the bluffs but camped on the riverbanks. Florin and his crew found artefacts in several spots along a 360-metre stretch. There is at least one buried campsite and perhaps others still waiting to be found. Since we know so little about this time period, even small campsites such as this are important for what they can tell us about people's diets, what tools they were using, and just how they lived. 
New measurements now made on Greenland ice core suggest that North America may have experienced a large cosmic impact around 12,900 years ago, a known abrupt climate transition previously linked to the demise of the Clovis people. Mikhail Petiv and colleagues from Harvard University report a hundredfold spike in platinum concentrations occurring in Greenland ice around 12,890 years ago, at the same moment that rapid cooling of the climate is indicated from oxygen isotope measurements. This coincides with the start of a climatic period called the Younger Dryas, a colder phase associated with the extinction of at least seven groups of large mammals, such as the mammoth, and with widespread wildfires, as well as rapid changes in atmospheric and ocean circulation. While as yet no impact site has been identified, the observations lend credence to the earlier finds of microscopic grains of diamond and a mineral known as lonsdalite in lake sediments dated to the same time. These measurements resemble the most recent observations of remnants of the Tunguska meteorite impact in Siberia in the early 20th century. Sphere-shaped particles, called spheroles, have also been identified in other site sediments dated to this event. I think this is one of these um, this argument that's going to go on. Was there or was there not a comet or meteorite impact that caused the Younger Dryas? Dr Ingrid Ward of the University of Western Australia is confident, that's good, there are amazing landscapes waiting to be discovered 20 kilometres off the northwest coastline and 30 metres below sea level. This is all around the Dampier Archipelago. The higher resolution service for oil and gas development reveal evidence for past coastal lagoons, salt marshes and river channels, environments which may have combined to support Aboriginal communities. These surveys also reveal drowned and hardened sand dunes, which could contain artefacts linked to Aboriginal cultures more than 7,000 years old. Dr Ward says ultimately what needs to be done is to create a three-dimensional visualisation of what the landscape looked like before it was submerged and to link this with the traditional knowledge and archaeological evidence on the islands and adjacent mainland so that we can determine how people lived and where. With higher resolution airborne surveying, an initial map of the area can be obtained within weeks. I think that's a request there. So if anyone's got some high resolution airborne surveying equipment, uh, if you wouldn't mind giving Dr Ward a quick telephone call. Western Australia is actually unique in having one of the most stable coastlines in the world, relatively uncomplicated by tectonics, so might produce a record of sea level changes that goes back far beyond 10,000 years. Now, the very exciting uh, story here. The remains of two large halls, both deliberately burnt down, and the remains incorporated into two prehistoric burial mounds have been discovered in Herefordshire in England. Likely to have been long structures with aisles framed by upright posts and with internal partitions, the thought to have been constructed between 4000 to 3600 BCE. Julian Thomas, professor of archaeology from the University of Manchester and co-director of the excavation, said that these early Neolithic halls were already extremely rare, but to find them within long barrows is the discovery of a lifetime. Archaeologists have long speculated that there's a close relationship existing between houses and tombs in Neolithic Europe and that houses of the dead amount to representations of the houses of the living. 
In fact, if you read a, a reasonably recent uh, Past Horizons article, we're looking at that in Poland, where houses of the living seem to only last as long as a generation before they're turned into houses of the dead. And over a thousand, sometimes two thousand years later, are then turned into uh, long burial mounds again. So there's this very symbiotic relationship, very interesting sort of looking into the mind of the Neolithic European. In addition to these two long mounds, the site has provided evidence for a series of later burials and other deliberate deposits, including a cremation burial and a pit containing a flint axe and a finely flaked flint object, objects with close affinities to artefacts found in eastern Yorkshire around 2600 BCE. Dr Keith Ray, the other co-director on the excavation and the Herefordshire County Council county archaeologist said that the axe and knife may not have been traded but placed there as part of a ceremony or a pilgrimage from what is now East Yorkshire. Rare evidence that humans lived on the River Thames 9,000 years ago has been discovered by archaeologists working on the Crossrail Project, a Mesolithic tool factory featuring 150 pieces of worked flint was found at the tunnelling worksite in Woolwich. Archaeologists said the Mesolithic people were using the site to prepare river cobbles, which were then made into flint tools. Crossrail lead archaeologist Jay Carver said that this is a unique and exciting find that reveals evidence of humans returning to England and in particular the Thames Valley after a long hiatus during the Ice Age. It's one of a handful of archaeology sites uncovered that confirms humans lived in the Thames Valley at this time. The concentration of flint pieces shows that it was an exceptionally important location for sourcing materials to make the tools used to live and hunt on the Thames Estuary Islands. Now we're heading back up to Orkney and Scotland and the good old Nessa Brodgerdig, where archaeologists have also found a carved stone ball. The discovery was made by Molly Bond, so well done Molly Bond, a student from Williamette University. While cleaning around some stones, she came across the carved ball, one of the few to have been found in context on the Orkney Islands. The stone fits into the palm of a hand and has six knobs in it, four in a circle and two on top. I know, I was very tempted to do the joke about that, but I've resisted. The ball was found in a secure context under the northeast buttress of, you wait for it, yes, structure 10, as you heard before, uh, opposite a magnificent incised stone, which was mentioned previously. Guess what? That was under a buttress too. It is beginning to look like these special deposits under buttresses might constitute something like a foundation deposit for the entire building. The carved object is heavy and initial impressions suggest it might be basalt, very hard uniform stone which works well if you've got a great deal of time and patience. The stone is still coated with midden material so its exact nature is still to be determined. It may even be coloured or painted, wouldn't that be wonderful? Information on all this will only become clear when a very delicate job of cleaning it without disturbing any deposits adhering to it is carried out. This is going to take place at a conservation lab in Edinburgh. Over 400 examples of these objects of Scottish prehistory are known and have been the subject of much speculation. The most plausible explanation, of course, is that they are power objects, symbols of power, rather than like the orb and the historical symbols of legal power. 
If you get a chance, I, I would recommend to have a look at this or other ones. Just put in uh, Carved Stone Balls Scotland. They seem to be incredibly unique to this part of the world. Now, let's head off to Russia, where archaeologists have found the intact burial chamber of a noblewoman from a tribe that roamed the Eurasian steppes two and a half thousand years ago. The burial site found near the village of Filipokovska in southern Russia dates to the time of the Sarmatians, a group of Persian-speaking tribes that ruled this what is now part of southern Russia, Ukraine, Central Asia. This is around about 500 BCE to 400 CE. The Sarmatians, often mentioned by ancient Greek historians, left tombs filled with gold and bronze artefacts, which were often looted by grave diggers. But the burial site found near Filipovska was not among those that had been robbed. The find is sensational because the burial vault itself is intact. The objects and the jewellery are found exactly as they had been placed by the ancient nomads. The woman's skeleton in a vault 13 feet underground is still covered with jewellery and decorations and her left hand holds a silver mirror with an ornamented golden handle. Modern day descendants of the Sarmatians include Ossetians, an ethnic group living in the Caucasus and speaking a language very similar to Persian to this day. Well, here we are with the last story. So I hope you've enjoyed uh, the archaeology news. And let's get on with a little trip to the Mediterranean, into the barren landscape of Greek's lesser Cyclades. It's a group of tiny unspoiled islands and they hide the relics of an ancient past. It was here that the Cycladic culture flourished during the early Bronze Age. Today, a tour of the islands reveals a very surprising past, like the mysterious rock paintings of Heraclea. Perhaps future excavations and research will unveil more about the past of the Lesser Cyclades and their people who chose to settle in isolated coves and atop cliffs, despite the fact that their only connection to the mainland was across the sea. A recent decision by the Central Archaeological Council to declare areas where ancient relics have been found as archaeological sites aims to provide protection to these islands and their historic past. These protected sites, including underwater areas of Vathi Limonare on the island of Donoso, where the remains of fortified settlement and cemetery dating to the 8th and 9th century BCE have been found. The islet of Dascalio, which archaeologists believe was once connected to the Cape of Keros by a narrow sleep of land, has been also declared as an archaeological site. Experts believe that the strip of land, now underwater, may contain vital remains of the early Cycladic period. The now abandoned Isle of Keros first made headlines in 1963 when it was discovered that extensive illegal excavations were taking place along its western coast. In 2006, Keros hit the headlines again when the Museum of Cycladic Art bought a portion of the treasure of Keros, which consisted of hundreds of fragments of figurines and other small items. According to British archaeologist and excavator Colin Renfrew, the thousands of fragmented figurines now scattered in museums throughout Greece and the world testify that for at least three centuries, Keros was an important place of worship. It's believed that the idols were placed in the sanctuary at Kavos during religious rituals and that today's Dascalio settlement was once the island's cemetery. 
What continues to remain a mystery to this day are the dozens of examples of rock graffiti on the island of Heraclea, which were etched across the island about 5,000 years ago using metal tools. According to the island's oral tradition, the etchings were maps of buried treasure created by pirates. Today, however, the local community is now striving to record and preserve this prehistoric graffiti, even though the significance has yet to be understood. So it's lovely that we've actually got this extra layer of them being pirate treasure maps as well. Well, that has been a fabulous piece of news. There's a lot to get your teeth into there and discuss. And of course, if you always want more news, then pop along to pasthorizonspr.com where you're going to get all the latest news from ourselves and if you want to keep up with uh, the UK heritage it's www.bajr.org that's myself for Badger and remember more can always be found at Stone Pages always news.stonepages.com so thank you very much for listening to Archaeology News Weekly we hope you will return to us next week and I will be here for you <laughs>